0: 18, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Your first daily dose of happy for the day, and uh, we have happiness going on around this house. That's for sure because we're anticipating some snow today. And while many people in the area are not happy about that, my wife is very happy about it. She's excited. <laughs> so, and you know what the rule is: happy wife, happy life. So it definitely applies in uh-huh. this case too. <laughs>
1: Well, we're just going to keep sending those that weather, you know, the energy for that weather to be perfect for her skiing. Absolutely, yeah, she I think can... you said you you wanted to tweak it by a couple of degrees colder, right? So.
0: Yeah, there is a, they're, they're also saying that it could turn to ice and we don't want that, so we want to make it a little bit colder so that it's pure pure as the driven snow, as they say. Yes. perfect. Perfect. But yeah, yeah, that, that's the good news for today, and, and she's just, I mean, she woke up early this morning, you know, often she sleeps Oh, in. not this morning. Right. She wanted want to check, is there any snow on the ground yet? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so cute. It reminds me of you know, my, when my kids were little, and of course we live, you know, down in the south where there is no snow, and there would be word that, oh, we could get snow. You know, it's going to be a miracle, but we could get snow. And <laughs> <laughs> they weren't getting up early and running out and looking, is it here? Is it here? Oh, yeah. And we did actually get snow. So that's good. I that's hope fun. she has a great time skiing. Oh, that's I'm wonderful. sure she will.
0: Plus, we also had a really time, nice time last night. Um, I think I mentioned to you previously, that we have made some new LOA friends in the area, in the local area. And there's uh, one particular couple that we really like, and we got together with them again last night, went out to dinner, had a great time. And just like the last time we closed the restaurant, the staff are standing around saying, when are we going to get to go home? But we're having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Yeah,
1: That's great, you know, when you can be with uh, people that are like-minded and that's a vibe lifter in itself.
0: Plus, they're they're like, you know, you and I and the others on on the podcast were laughing all the time. That's what it was like last night. Everything was just laugh, laugh, laugh. In fact, before we met up with them, they were, uh, she actually runs a uh, a local sort of a new agey theater called the Buttonwood Tree. And this particular last night's uh, uh, activity was a thing called Laughter Yoga. Have you heard of that, Laughter Yoga?
1: I have, yes.
0: Okay. Well, they were doing laughter yoga, so they were all warmed up before we even got there. And, you know, so once we oh. got together, it was even easier. You know, we were just laughing at everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> laughter yoga, I have never done it, like, in a class, but I have seen it done, and mm-hmm. I have, you know, watched some videos. And it's so funny because at the beginning, it's so just ha, 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 you know, forced. Right. And then suddenly something happens and the real laughter hits and it's so great. It's like <laughs> wow, talk about talk about lifting your energy up. Oh yeah. And so that's really great. You got to be the the receiver of that yeah. laugh that, that was the vibe that was already going right. So it's kind of like a snowball; it's already got some momentum exactly. behind it. Exactly. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, It's wonderful when you have that, and and they carried over beautifully. I mean, literally, we we laughed half of the meal. It was wonderful. So how was wow, your? That's
1: how, wonderful. How
0: how's your uh, last twenty four hours been? Any 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 wins the last few uh, hours, so to speak?
1: Well, actually, something really great happened um, last night. I was cooking dinner, and I usually refer to um, my other half as uh, the handsome sweetheart. So (laughs) the handsome sweetheart uh, came in, and he said, hey, he came in from work, and he said, hey, would you like to go on a date with me? Oh, wow. (laughs) And I said, really? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Because we always (laughs) joke that, like, everything's a date with us. We go on a date all the time. That's good. But... I had forgotten that next week was Valentine's Day. Ah. And so I, I thought he was just playing, you know, and I said, "Sure, w- um when is this date going to happen?" And I think I made a joke. I said, "Well, I'm not sure, I'll have to check my calendar." <laughs> and uh and he said, "Well, he made um reservations for my favorite restaurant for next Wednesday, which Ah, uh-huh, yeah, there you
0: it's go. A wave oh,
1: away, but I'm already looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah,
0: fantastic! Oh, that's well, that's a terrific win right there. Well, I mean, all, all a wins a are good. It's a restaurant
1: that's way out in the country, and it just looks like uh nothing. I mean, it, it used to be the building actually used to be a general store, like you know, a hundred years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and they've made it into a restaurant, and it still looks like what you would think of as a kind of just a little wooden general store from the outside. But it has, like, you know, famous cuisine, and it's it's not fancy on the inside. But what's funny about it is that uh it's kind of kitschy on the inside, but the food is really fancy. So it's like you could put that food in a very, very elegant you know room and it would fit (laughs) but so it's kind of just a fun place to go but the food is out of this world and so i'm excited about that that's great though
0: that's really good yeah Yeah. and all well actually there's something else starting next week because next tuesday night is the first night that we're going to be doing a nighttime uh episode a nighttime time slot for LOA today tom wells and i are going to be uh, doing a slot on Tuesdays from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to give people who, who can't normally call in during the day an opportunity to call in because we we really want to build up the opportunity for people who, you know, just want to call in and chat or if they got questions or they want to, you know, share wins or, or tell us about their latest LOA story, you know, that's what we're, we're hoping is going to happen. So. Just want to keep telling everybody every day that we that we're doing the podcast. You know, mark Tuesdays from nine to ten p.m. Eastern time on your calendar, because if you've been wanting to call in, that's going to be the time to do it.
1: Awesome! And actually, people can call in any time that we're that they're Absolutely. listening to us live.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes? They, they, they can call in yeah. during the morning show, the afternoon show, um, and <clears throat> excuse me, they're more more than welcome to call. Um, the number will actually be changing soon, but right now the number is eight six zero. Two six four five four three two, and uh, by all means, if you if you are able to call in during either the morning or the afternoon time slot, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, and so if you're if you're if you're used to listening at a later time uh, via recording, um, just so you know, we you can listen live and you can call us. So that would be great.
0: And by the way, if you don't know where to listen live, just go to the homepage LOAToday.net. There's a player right there. That's where you can listen live. So. Sometimes I forget to mention that <laughs> but yes, very
1: good there, I mean there's there's got to be a time if you know there's got to be a time slot for you, right, and if not, there's the recordings, but goodness, there's lots of opportunities to listen with all these shows that are going on and really excited about that Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, you know how long is the queue going to be, so to speak. You know, <laughs> will, will, will people be calling in? First of all, will they call in at all? I mean, that's the, the first question. You always want to know, you know, are they really going to do this? And then if they do call in, is it going to be like, you know, one person, five people, ten people? I don't know. We'll find out.
1: I don't know. I'm expecting <laughs> this, the phone to be ringing, though, for sure. I,
0: I think it probably is going to. Yeah, I think it's going to be yeah. fun. So another thing that's kind of fun is our topic because <clears throat> excuse me, you came up with this one. Actually, um, I, 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 I should probably let you introduce it because it is your topic. But uh, we've been doing a book theme lately, and you found an interesting one to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, you know, this is actually one of my favorite books. And, you know, I've been kind of racking my brain to when did I know about this book? How did I hear about this book? I think I bought this book 20 years ago, and um, it's The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scobleshin. And I'm looking at it. It's a small book, and not only is it small, but I'm looking at it right now, and my copy is dog-eared and highlighted. <laughs> and 93 pages. So
2: wow!
1: It's and it's small. It's not a big, you know, wide book that's 93 like, pages. Like a it's a small book. book. So, yeah. it's it's not very big. I've read this book. Um, there are a handful of books that I have uh, always read sort of over and over, and this is one of them. And it was written by Florence Scovel Shin, who was now she's considered to be one of the, you know, important writers of the new thought movement or the prosperity writers.
2: Mm-hmm. Back in
1: that, this book was published in 1925, and so the the language is kind of old-fashioned at times, and it kind of it can either be annoying or add to its <laughs> charm. I'm not sure how uh, the reader looks at it, depending on who you are, but. It's just a good little book. I think that anybody studying LOA uh should have a look at it. It's also because it's public domain, I'm sure it's available all over the internet for mm, free. Right. Uh to download or to to just, you know, read it on the computer. Um but her this is what's really funny is that I've I've always read this book um, kind of intermittently, you know, I was telling you that earlier, I'll read it and then I'll, I mean, it's just a short little book, I'll I'll put it down and then, you know, maybe a month later, two years later, I don't know, I'll be thinking about it and I'll go grab it again. It always has an effect on me where it encourages me and lifts up my vibe, always, every time I open it. And one time I found this book that's a newer book that you may have heard of. It's called Outrageous Openness by Tosha Silver. I don't and recognize that. I'm I'm reading this woman's book and she was like an astrologer for one of the big newspapers and and she wrote a column and her writing's kind of funny. She told stories and they asked her if she would put her posts or her they weren't blog posts. I guess they were newspaper articles into a book and she edited them into a book and I'm reading the book and the whole time I'm feeling like I could have written it. Like, that's how much I resonated with it, right? <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, part of the way into the book, she starts talking about who influenced her the most, and it was Florence Scovelshin. <laughs> ah, yes. I was like, oh, my goodness. So we, we talked about Neville uh, last week. Right. And about how a lot of Neville's uh, teaching is all sort of wrapped up in his idea of what the Bible, the, the Christian Bible uh meant
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was a very um a very esoteric kind of ideology about what those scriptures meant um flora scovel shin is right there um but not quite as you won't see it as much but she does talk about spiritual law that's like her big her big thing and if we talk about the law of attraction um you know that's kind of an interesting question well what what kind of a law would you say Law of Attraction is?
0: I would describe it as a universal law. Okay. Um, okay, and, okay. Good. Yeah. Because th-
1: that's what I was like, what, what? What adjective do we put on it? Right?
0: Yeah. No, and and um, I get I get that directly from Abraham Hicks. I mean, they they describe it strictly as a universal law. In fact, Abraham says it is one of only three truly universal laws, and one of those is not gravity. According to Abraham, gravity is actually a localized law. Which is interesting. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, okay. Well, that's a good point, though. Yeah. Physically, that would be true, right?
0: <laughs> I guess it is. I mean, I, I don't know enough about this, the Einsteinian theory of relativity to know exactly how to address it, but it's certainly conceivable to me.
1: That's interesting. I had never heard that. Okay. Yeah. So, so Florence Scobelshin was a very, very popular lecturer and speaker. She's actually an artist, um, an illustrator. Hmm. And then she started speaking and lecturing, and and I don't know if the speaking and lecturing came before the book or after. But it's funny in her language. Like, for instance, people would come to her because they were having problems, and she was, you know, that's what's funny is today, and we hear the word healer a lot, right right and someone has a a problem and they go to this this healer or they go to an energy worker maybe and with her uh, people would be having problems and they would come to her and she would they would come to her for and the word used in the book is a treatment okay and now she would say okay she would give them like maybe an affirmation or something and say okay now you go on i'll treat you go (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'll
2: treat.
1: And I'm like, it was almost like she was using this word instead of the word prayer.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? It's yep. like instead of saying, okay, I'll pray, you go. It's like, I'll I'll do the treatment here. And it, it right. cracks me up because some of the language is really funny. Um, it's not really language that you hear. But, you know, it's we're talking, it's almost, gosh, 1925. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost 100 years ago. So, oh, yeah. So, of course, yeah. the language is really different. But she talked about three. there being three departments in the mind, the subconscious, the conscious, and the superconscious. She says the subconscious is simply power without direction. It's like steam or electricity. It, It just does what it's directed to do. It has no power of induction. Whatever man feels deeply or images clearly is impressed upon the subconscious mind and carried out in the minutest detail. She says that the conscious mind is the mortal or carnal mind. It's the human mind. It sees life as it appears to be. It sees death, disaster, sickness, poverty, and limitation of every kind, and it impresses the subconscious. And then she says the superconscious mind is the God mind within each man, and it's the realm of perfect ideas. Um, She says, in it is the perfect pattern spoken of by Plato, the divine design, for there is a divine design for each person. There's a place that you are to fill and no one else can fill, something you are to do which no one else can do. There is a perfect picture of this in the superconscious mind. It usually flashes across the conscious as an unattainable ideal, something too good to be true. In reality... It's man's true destiny or destination flashed to him from the infinite intelligence, which is within himself. So that was kind of in a nutshell where she starts. She goes back to, we must train the imaging faculty. Now, this sounds like what Neville talks about, imagination. Yeah. And not this wild imagination that's off-wandering, but a trained imagination. An, an imaging. She says, a person with an imaging faculty trained to image only good will bring into his life every righteous desire of his heart, health, wealth, love, friends, perfect self-expression, highest ideals.
0: That's interesting, too, this whole concept that, of the subconscious, conscious, and superconscious minds because I I did a little quick look up while you're talking about that, and there was a contemporary of hers from India who taught the exact same concepts, and I'm wondering who influenced whom, because it looks like this guy was actually perhaps slightly younger than Shin, um, but she, he was mm-hmm. definitely a contemporary. His name was Paramahansa Yogananda, and he was a yogi. He was a guru from India, from uh, Gwakarapur in India, and He lived in the United States. He even died in the United States. I wonder if he was an influence on her or her on him or, you know, some combination.
1: It's interesting because it reminds me of Neville and Abdullah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Neville got some of his ideas, learned them from a teacher, Abdullah, that came from somewhere else. I can't remember where. Uh, And then that would be interesting to... To do a little research and find out what their connection was, or if there was a connection. But she does talk about things. That's what I'm saying. She talks about karma, and I think I think you're right. I think it would be great to kind of go through these laws that were very present in her book, Um, and karma was one of them. And to me, that doesn't seem like something that would have been talked about in 1925 as much in these kind of like churches that these people were speaking in but oh, i don't know no. that she was speaking in churches i just know she was a lecturer she does use she does use christian scriptures a lot um but she she weaves them in and out from you know with some other ideas that are not strictly um christian
0: oh yeah i i i can say for you know with a high degree of confidence if Shin' had been discussed at all in the churches of that time, it would probably have been in the context of she's damned and going to hell because you know bringing up concepts of karma and so forth that's that's heathen talk. you don't do that right so yeah I, <laughs> she, she definitely would not have been right. accepted in the church
1: <laughs> she talked a lot about like inspired action you know she she- call, she says um always follow a hunch <laughs> uh-huh.
0: That sounds um, very familiar. She was
1: talking about intuition. As a matter of fact, uh Louise Hay who had um well actually Louise Hay is just, just not with us any longer as of this year, I
2: think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she just passed uh,
1: on. But she her publishing company, someone wrote to her and they had um some writings of Florence Gobelchins that had never been published and she she bought them and she uh-huh. published them. Uh-huh. And it's a book called, the, I think it's called The Magic of Intuition. I don't mm-hmm. have that one in front of me, but I do own it. And it's actually a beautiful little book. It's it's made like a gift book. Like all the pages are color, and I, I can't even describe it. Um, but it's beautiful. It would be a, a beautiful present to give someone.
0: Oh, nice. Very nice. And it's
1: yeah. uh, her her teaching on intuition, uh, which is, you know, it's... It, it's a lot of the same stuff that's in her Game of Life book. Um, but she tells a lot of stories. And, you know, you've been talking a lot about stories lately. Yep. Storytelling and how important it is to be able to to tap into that energy of telling a good story. And, oh, yeah. You know, like I'm looking, I'm looking down, and here's what just one page says. She says, many people have brought disaster into their lives through idle words. For example, she says, a woman once asked me why her life was now one of – poverty of limitation. Formerly, she had a home. She was surrounded by beautiful things and had plenty of money. We found she had often tired of the management of her home and had said repeatedly, I'm sick and tired of things. I wish I lived in a trunk.
2: <laughs> and she added,
1: she added, today, I'm living in that trunk. Uh, she had spoken herself into a trunk. Hmm. The subconscious mind has no sense of humor, and people often joke themselves into unhappy experiences um she says for example a woman who had a great deal of money joked continually about getting ready for the poorhouse in a few years she was almost destitute having impressed the subconscious mind with a picture of lack and limitation fortunately the law works both ways and a situation of lack may be changed to one of plenty for example a woman came to me one hot summer day or a treatment, (laughs) that's what I was talking about before, I think that's so funny. A woman came to me one hot summer's day for a treatment for prosperity. She was worn out, dejected, and discouraged, and she said she possessed just $8 in the world. I said, good, we'll bless the $8 and multiply them as Jesus Christ multiplied the loaves and fishes, for he taught that every man had the power to bless and to multiply, to heal and to prosper. And she said, what shall I do next? I replied, follow intuition. Have you a hunch? To do anything or go anywhere, intuition means intuition, or to be taught from within. It's man's unerring guide, and I will deal more fully with its laws in the following chapter. But the woman replied, I don't know. I seem to have a hunch to go home. I've just enough money for car fare. Her home was in a distant city and was one of lack and limitation. And the reasoning mind or intellect would have said, stay in New York, get some work, make some money. Mm -hmm. But I replied, well, then go home. Never violate a hunch. I spoke the following words for her, Infinite Spirit opened the way for great abundance for her. She is an irresistible magnet for all that belongs to her by divine right. I told her to repeat it continually also. She left for home immediately. In calling on a woman one day, she linked up with an old friend of her family and through this friend she received hundreds of dollars in a most miraculous way. She has said to me often, tell people about the woman who came to you with $8 and a hunch. Uh So she tells, her book is just full of stories like this.
0: Yeah. And clearly a manifestation story, too. Pardon me? Clearly a manifestation story, too.
1: Yes. I mean, all of her stories, um, over and over.
0: Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, It also, uh, you used a word there, or she used a word, plenty. We we usually use the word abundant, but plenty is a good one. That's one we should probably incorporate more, you know?
1: It is a good one.
0: It, it's a little so, bit old-fashioned, but it's good.
1: Well, I, I kind of like some of these old-fashioned words because I think sometimes we get in a rut with our words, and when we oh, see yeah. a word that's not common to us, it kind of shakes us like, what? you know, mm-hmm. And uh brings our attention back, I think.
0: So, yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah, so, I Walt, let's stuff.
1: take a second and tell everybody listening how they can subscribe.
0: Oh, we haven't done that yet, have we? We haven't. Well, we should do that, because we always do that. Well, we almost always do that. Not always, but usually we do.
1: (laughs) Speaking of plenty, because you said the word plenty, and I thought, you know what? That's what we want. We want
0: plenty of
2: subscribers.
0: Well, we want plenty of subscribers, but more than that, we find that when people do subscribe, they listen to plenty of episodes. I mean, the the numbers are are showing quite clearly that every month, the the people who are listeners – Listen to more and more episodes. Last month, the average listener, and we can measure listeners by you know who the different IP addresses are, the average listener listened to 30 episodes last month, which is phenomenal. And it's really the the true reason why we keep growing, because people are just listening to more and more episodes. So subscribing is a good idea if you have not yet already subscribed. And it's pretty easy to do. You just go to the homepage of LOAToday.net. You'll see a couple places there where there are links you can click. And, uh, it just says click here to subscribe, that kind of thing. It's pretty straightforward. Um, if you're on an iPhone, it makes it really easy because iPhones, the, o- the operating system come with a podcast app built in. So it'll just tie right into that. I did, Cindy, run into a situation with our friends last night. One of them, she had actually deleted her podcast app from her iPhone. Um, oh. so, so it was an interesting test. So she said, can you get, can you, um, subscribe me? So I said, oh, well, sure, yeah. So she handed me the phone and I'm, with it. So I just went to LOAToday.net. I clicked on the click to subscribe and a little message popped up saying, your uh, podcast app has been deleted, but we can reinstall it for you. Click here. So I said, okay. Oh, so cool. I clicked there It just took me to the uh, um, the app store and you know, linked me right into where the app was. You know, I Click here to download, download it, went back to LOAToday.net, clicked again on the subscribe and boom, we were subscribed. It was great. So it's mm-hmm. really easy. Yeah, very easy on iPhone. Um, Android phones like a, a Samsung or a Motorola, uh, LG, Nokia, any of those uh, popular Android phones. It's a little more complex because they don't come with a built-in podcast app. But those are easily found in the Play Store. Just go to the Play Store. Um, A nice free one that you can get, doesn't have any fee associated, is Podcast Manager. Download that. And then once inside Podcast Manager... After you open that app up, you can do a search for LOA Today, and boom, we pop right up. So it's easy to subscribe. And, of course, the watchwords for the week are actually subscribe and share. So once you've subscribed, share it with friends and and encourage them to subscribe too because not a lot of people know about the show yet, and the more people find out about it, the more people are going to want to listen because that's what the stats show us. People love listening. So there you have
1: it. Here's the thing is that you know the whole idea about you are what you eat? <laughs> yes,
2: and
1: right. then you hear people say you are what you read, right? Well it's you are what you take in, right? And so the more you connect with these ideas and with like you last night having dinner with with your friends who right. also practice, you know, conscious creation and yep. know about the law of attraction, uh, the more you take in on that level, then the more it the more it feels natural and the more you start operating in that vibration where It gets easier and easier. So that's the thing about listening is that it's not just our podcast. It's Law of Attraction and what you read and what you hear and who you talk to. And when all those things come together, um, you will start noticing big shifts in your life just because that's where your mind is focused.
0: That's true, yeah. Plus, we also make it fun. So I mean, we know for a fact <laughs> yeah. that we do. I mean, there's no doubt about yeah. it. And we get a lot of feedback telling us they like how fun it is. But there, there's also no doubt, and the scientific research bears this out, when you are feeling good and when you are happy, all kinds of things happen. Um, happiness leads to success. We're seeing that from the positive psychology movement. They're showing repeatedly that people who start off happy and then go for success get to success a lot easier. Um, people who laugh, laughter has been proven by the medical establishment to be a healing agent. So laughter will help you lead. We, well, you know, we, we help you laugh. We help you heal. We help you get better because you're the one doing the laughing. So there, there are a lot of direct, actually scientifically verifiable, um, benefits. And, and I won't claim that anyone has ever done a study on LOA Today to see if LOA Today causes healing. That's not my claim. But certainly the things that we engage in are things that are proven to be healthy. So just wanted to throw that.
1: Well, yesterday, I mean, the the articles that we were looking at in the podcast that we did yesterday about scientifically, you know, proven um, ideas that supported happiness. Mm-hmm. And the, that first paragraph, which you were just talking about, some of it right now, um, was kind of mind-blowing. It was like people that are happier um, are more often married, they're more often happily married, they make yep. more money, they like their job better, they're healthier. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, uh, you know, it was the list of what everyone says they want. So
0: It yeah. reminds me of so, this, the study that was done on the nuns. I think I told you about the nuns' study. Uh, in 1930-ish, somewhere around there, the Catholic Church, the, the Mother Superior of the Church in the United States, sent out letters to all of the nun novitiates um, basically asking them to send in a little biography about themselves and, and to talk about themselves. And in these biographies, the nuns spelled out a lot about what was in their lives. You know, they were they were asked to to say why they wanted to become nuns. And much later on, in the 1980s, the uh, earliest researchers of the positive psychology movement found this trove of of information, asked for permission to uh, access it in more detail, and. They took these various nuns' self-written autobiographies and passed them out to people who were not involved in the study and just asked those people to evaluate. If you would evaluate this person, would you say this person was optimistic, pessimistic, somewhere in the middle? They had like a five-point scale. The ones who the uh, independent uh, evaluators said were very optimistic were something like they were expected to live like 20 times longer, not 20 times, 20 years longer than the ones that the evaluators said were pessimistic, and they based that on what actually happened to these nuns because they know what the history of the nuns were, right? So they found oh, out that, wow. that, that the ones who start off with an optimistic attitude live 20 years longer and healthier lives and happier lives. I mean wow. there's science proving very, very clearly that your, your happiness level directly impacts what goes on later on. And, oh, by the way, by the way, there is good news, too. The good news is if you are a pessimistic person who wants to turn optimistic, that still pays off because there's another another study that was done with a bunch of older men, men in their, I think they were in their 60s and 70s. This was done in the late 1970s. And the study was set up so that uh, all the men in the study were tested for various physical traits and so forth, um, strength and, and eyesight and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then they were put into two environments. There was a control group and the test group. The test group, the control group was given an environment they just spent a week together. The test group were given an environment, but they were asked to behave like it was 20 years earlier. So they were given name badges that had their pictures from when they were 20 years younger. And there were pictures of, like, President Eisenhower on the wall. And there were Time magazines and Life magazines from the 1950s. And then they went around that week just behaving like it was the 1950s. And a week later, they were tested on the same physical uh, tests that were done beforehand. And they were found to be stronger, healthier, better eyesight. I mean, all kinds of medical problems had cleared up. I mean, just amazing what had happened in one week. So clearly, just the optimistic viewpoint of thinking that you're younger actually makes you produce all these wonderful physical improvements in your life. So it doesn't matter what age you start at. The point is, if you start with that optimistic place, you're going to be in a much better results sometime very shortly down the line.
1: That's amazing, the power of the mind. Oh, yeah.
0: Which is exactly yeah. what Shin's talking about here. I mean, she 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 talks about these laws and, and concepts and so forth, but she's really talking about the power of the mind, subconscious, conscious, superconscious.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is that is the underlying you know thread through the entire well, I'd say book, but her books. Period.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: she ta- she tells a story. Um, about. A little, a child that used to, um, oh, I I wish I could just know where it was and just open the page to the book, I mean, and read it. But she tells a child, a story of this child who used to, um, as a girl, that used to dress up like a a widow. Like she would wear, she would put a black dress and a veil on and and pretend that she was a widow and that everyone would, you know, and come out and the, the people would oh, look, you know she's pretending, which cr- kind of creeps me out to be honest,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but she says this woman she this girl grew up to be a young woman, got married, and was almost instantly widowed yeah and i and I'm like, oh wow,
2: mm-hmm. um but
1: lots and lots of of stories you know, and uh, the stories about how our subconscious uh kind of affects everything, and so we can. Um, you know, that word that I used before that from her, that she said a trained imaging faculty. Um, So a a mind that has been trained and we do that through practice.
2: Mm. Yep.
1: And, and then we can start, you know, focusing because what we focus on expands. And so she's going to say it over and over and over. Um, and she talks also about um, when she talks about affirmations, she talks about repetition, and sometimes just silently or audibly, you know that to me is another form of like training our subconscious is to keep feeding it the same idea
2: mm-hmm.
1: like you know you were just talking about even if you're pessim- if you're a person that is pessimistic. Mm -hmm. Um, and that person is more than likely just telling that story and so you know that whole idea of fake it till you make it right um, sometimes we just have to make i mean i think anyway sometimes we just have to make the decision that we're going to be different uh you know when i was a kid i think i was it was the year that i was 10 or 11 that summer is kind of it's one summer i really remember because i went to stay with some cousins that i didn't know for like three weeks oh wow. and so while i was there it is just one of those things that was so different than my regular life and so suddenly i was spending time with all these cousins and we were living at their house and i was really really shy just painfully shy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when people said hi to me when i was little I, I wouldn't even look up
2: wow, and
1: there was a girl that was one of their neighborhood friends that was very gregarious and friendly and you know not shy mm-hmm. at all right uh, and she was kind of the life of the party, and she was really a nice person too It's like she you know she as soon as she met me, she liked me, she liked everybody, she was nice to everybody, she was fun, she laughed a lot. And I recognized that I just, I remember thinking to myself, this is better. This is a better way. Mm, (laughs) Like, this is better than being painfully shy. Like, I think this is better. And I just decided, you know, as a 10 or 11-year-old, I just decided, I wasn't going to be shy anymore. It just wasn't working for me. It wasn't paying <laughs> off, you know, to be scared and shy and ducking my head all the time and being afraid to talk to people. I'd, Look at this girl. This girl is having the time of her life. She's not afraid to talk to anybody. She yeah. walks right up. She shakes her hand. She has fun. And I just made that decision. And it still kind of, you know, it still kind of shocks me sometimes when I think back, think, gosh, I was only like 10 or 11 years old and I just decided, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just not going to be shy anymore.
0: What a great time going to be exposed to somebody like that in your life, because that's that's a time when it's really easy to make a change like that, comparatively speaking. And you got it at exactly the best time to do it. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and so I can't say that I immediately went to like you know being hugely gregarious, and but but in a way I did. I mean, I just I just changed that behavior, um, and yeah, it might not always be that easy, but it is that possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. To
1: just You know, when people say that they don't like a certain thing about themselves, that, oh, I wish I was more like that. Well, just put your toes in the water, (laughs) you know, just try it a little bit. (laughs) And that, I think it can make all the difference. And so when we're talking about this, these stories and these things, this is what affirmations are for. They are to help us change a belief pattern that we have.
0: Mm hmm Which you did.
1: Because the beliefs are running the show.
0: That's right, yeah. I I was reading a Wikipedia article about the book because I don't have a copy of the book. And it was enumerating, I think it's seven, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven laws that Shin names in the book. The first one being the law of expectancy, which ties in directly to what you're talking about here. According to the Wikipedia article, Shin emphasizes the power of the imagination to bring about life events. So you describe a couple of stories like that. And then there's a mm-hmm. quote, I presume, from the book. Whatever man feels deeply or images clearly is impressed upon the subconscious mind and carried out in minutest detail. Well, that pretty much describes your experience with your new friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, true.
0: Because uh, she, she made a deep impression.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the way that sounds, right? Because <laughs> well, really because it's um it's forward looking mm-hmm. and it's saying that I can expect what I'm focusing on to play itself out in reality.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: So, you know, you said um whatever man feels deeply
0: Yes, whatever man feels deeply or images clearly is impressed upon the subconscious mind and carried out in minutest detail.
1: Yeah, so there we're going back to what we talked about last week with Neville about that, you know, um, feeling the, assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Right. That's the feeling, to feel it deeply. And that's one thing that I, I encourage myself sometimes to, to not just, make an affirmation um which can be really simple it can just be like an i am statement
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like right but to not just make that statement but to feel it which takes some time i don't mean you know huge loads of time it might just be a few seconds but we have to be conscious of it of taking the time to feel it taking the moment to say what would this really feel like there's also there's even an exercise about that where you use all five senses to connect to whatever that affirmation is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in other words, if I make an affirmation that uh, that I am um, creative, then I might take all five of my senses and figure out how that creativity plays out through my. Through my senses. Mm
2: -hmm. So when I'm
1: painting, I might think, oh, yeah, I can feel the paintbrush in my hand. I can smell the paint. Um, I can taste uh, the coffee that I'm drinking while I paint. You know, it's like going through, because then you're involving all of your senses. And it helps you to have, to be able to feel it. Because Mm -hmm. we want to feel it. It's the feelings. (laughs) I sound like Neville now.
2: But (laughs) the the
1: feelings are the key. Um, And so, using our imagination to bring things about. I like that she tied that in. Okay, I, I so like the that, law too. Of, the law of expectancy. What what other ones are are there?
0: Uh, I just wanted to comment, too. It's one of the things that Abraham emphasizes a lot, that it's the combination of what you focus on and how emotionally strongly you focus on it that is is what enhances... The, the the vibrational essence of whatever thought you're creating and whatever manifestation you're leading up to. So again, once again reinforcing this whole idea, the emotion drives it, the emotion makes it powerful.
1: Yeah, what is the um that's actually I think my favorite uh Abraham Hicks book um is the one that focuses on emotions.
0: Right. And it's actually the name of it. It's actually called the the astonishing power of emotions. David and I are talking yeah. about it on Sundays now, but yeah, it's a terrific book.
1: Oh, you're doing that, uh, when is that happening?
0: We, we, we started, uh, two Sundays ago. David and I, of course, do the Sunday broadcast. And, uh, we've, we've done it for two weeks now and we're just gonna keep working until we're done with the book. <laughs>
1: oh, it's a, it's a great book. I love that book. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we've got this common thread running through, you know, Abraham Hicks and Florence Scovelshan and Neville that when we focus on something and we allow it to bring itself out in our emotions, we Mm -hmm. feel it deeply that that's when we're on the right track to bringing it into our experience.
0: You asked what the the other laws were according to this article. The second one ties into the story of the widow that you talked about. It's called the law of substitution. According to Scoville Shin, sometimes our desires are misdirected. And quote from the book, Many people are in ignorance of their true destinies and are striving for things and situations which do not belong to them and would only bring failure and dissatisfaction if attained. Well, that's pretty much what the person who addressed as a widow did.
1: Oh yes, and there's another story she tells about a woman that um and this is a good a good learning story because the story was about a woman that I think it was a house that she wanted that was like her neighbor's house, you mm-hmm. know it's so funny, right. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, or whatever I mean it was the, the exact out picture this woman uh really really wanted this house and she ends up getting it somehow but it's not in a good way like i think the man that owned it died and you know it's like um she comes into pos- possession of the house and and it's just sort of awful like she's not happy there it's too much for her to take care of and Florence Scovelson, i think you know tells her that the better way to have done this and it seems so simple, but would just be to picture for yourself something similar like mm-hmm. and I, I remember learning from a mentor the idea of this it's equivalent or whatever would be better. So when we're wanting to you know attract a certain thing or consciously create a certain thing or experience we can tack on um, this, the equivalent or whatever would be better and I've also heard people tack on like for the highest good of all, right? It's like, yeah I really want that house but I don't want somebody to have to die for me to have it, right? <laughs> so um, that's interesting because I do not recall ever reading that uh, the law of substitution but that's interesting. So, Let's
0: see, does it say where in the book it is? If there is a a little little note saying, "Oh no, this! Oh wait a minute, where it is? Yeah, note's here.
1: This uh... the concepts discussed in the book. Oh, I have no doubt it's there. I just, it's one of those words that didn't stand out for me right away. Um, but that's really interesting. That you know, I, I just like that it's summed up in a uh, concept like that, the yeah. law of substitution. So it's like you're you're trying to attract something that's. Um, she talks a lot about things being your divine right." Um, And so that may or may not line up with, you know, personal beliefs about uh, attaining things, but it lines up with her idea of the law of substitution because Mm -hmm. it sounds to me that she, she, I mean, I think you said misdirected, so it's like you're desiring something that is not for you to to have. Um, And the truth is, I think, is that there's always, you know, it's the reason why we shouldn't get too tangled up in the hows and too attached to specific outcomes because in my experience, uh, the universe usually has something even better in mind. So it's this, (laughs) it's equivalent, or whatever would be better. If you're looking for, let's say you're trying to um, get a a particular job, uh, well, maybe there's a better one that you haven't even recognized. So it's this, or it's equivalent, or whatever would be better.
0: I'm not sure I completely agree with her phrasing, but I understand the sentiment behind it. And I think the sentiment has value to it. The the phrasing doesn't quite work. I mean, she talks about situations which do not belong to you. Well, that that basically says that you are not allowed to want something that somebody else has because there's only one of them. And so you'd basically be stealing from somebody else and, and... Abraham has taught us pretty clearly that's not the way things actually work. There's really no way to do that because there's plenty of, of, of abundance for everybody. But I think the the value in what she's saying is if we take it as if you are focusing on something that somebody else has and it doesn't make you feel good to do that, it's not a good-feeling thing, then you're setting yourself up for failure, and I think that would be really, really accurate. Um, it's not exactly well, and I what think she's saying, I but see this a lot with
1: people who want to... Um Attract a relationship and it's a relationship with someone who's you know already in a relationship or mm-hmm. it's right it and oh, I think yeah. it would be the same thing with wanting to attract maybe I'm you know wanting to attract um, a job or a position, and there's already someone happily doing that job
0: yeah Hmm. the 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 situation with the relationship with somebody who is trying to attract somebody else who's already in a relationship. I find that almost exclusively people who are wanting to do that are themselves people who are exhibiting very strong codependent tendencies. They want this other person because they think this other person is going to fill those gaps in themselves. And in the process of filling those gaps, they're going to feel better, which is the wrong reason to find a relationship because you can't build a stable relationship on that. That's why codependency doesn't work. But that's basically what they're doing, you know.
1: Exactly, and so I, that's what comes up for me when I hear that description that you read of, you know, misdirected desires. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I can see a couple instances of of that. Um, that it's it's always going to be better to to be a little more open to the universe, in, and to tapping down into like what you said. It's like what, okay, you. I have had people email me like, you know, about an ex. And it's like, I have to get this person back in my life. Like, they're desperate. Yes. And it's exactly what you said. It's because they think that that person is going to answer something for them, a need they have, and that couldn't be further from the truth.
0: The, the um, desperation tells us otherwise. The fact that they're so desperate for that person proves that they're not trying to attract the person for the right reasons. They're They're, they're trying to attract the person in order to... Basically, avoid themselves having to work on something in themselves. They want that other person to do it for them. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> no, that's true, and that's why you know um, the relationship that we have with ourselves it's the one that has to be worked on. Oh yeah. And then, and then all the other relationships will they'll work themselves out, right?
0: Louise and I so, often okay. talked so, about why why is it that we waited so long in life before we met because we didn't meet till we were in our forties. And we very quickly realized we wouldn't have wanted to know each other earlier on because we had too many issues to work out.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I think there was, and I don't I don't watch TV, uh, but I get every once in a while I hear certain shows. Um, wasn't there a TV show, something like The Starter Wife or something like that?
0: It um, sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't really know it.
1: We hear people talk about, you know, um, The exact same thing. It's like I we too met later in life, and we we often realize, okay, we we met at a time when we had worked a lot of our own stuff out, right? Exactly. (laughs) Like, and we we knew who we were, and we knew, you know, and so yeah, that makes a difference. But okay, so the law of expectancy was the first one, and the law of substitution was the one that we're talking about now, and then what what's next?
0: The next is the law of karma which uh, she describes as the law of cause and effect, and she draws the concept of sowing and reaping as the example of it.
1: Okay. Sowing Uh, and reaping, whatever we sow.
0: Right. And that's followed Um, by the law of non-resistance, which is considered a, a corollary to the law of karma. And it basically is do not react to a negative situation with more negativity, as that will bring back more harm down the track.
2: Okay, well that
1: that's interesting. Um because I I always like to point out that non-resistance um is non-resistance is imperative to, you know, conscious creation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we when we get resistant, then that's when things stop happening for us. But it's not always um meeting a negative situation with more negativity right right sometimes it's just being um and i'm I'm not talking about non-resistance now i'm talking about resistance right um sometimes resistance comes when we're just too attached to a specific outcome
0: exactly yeah so her version is a is a much more limited version than what it really could be i I would agree with that yeah
1: yeah uh so we've got and i think that karma and non-resistance in this instance. She's tying them sounds like she's tying them together somehow.
0: Well according to this, it's saying that she considers non resistance to be a corollary. I I might call it a special case of the law of karma. Oh
1: got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's what follows. Okay. Right. So so the law of karma is she's saying kind of what comes around goes around. Right. right? Whatever we put out there is what we're gonna get back.
2: Which is very deliberate creation.
1: Yeah, I have my own I have my own teaching on karma. I don't know if it would uh I think karma's what happens when we don't make a plan.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard worse definitions right? of karma. I think that one's actually a pretty good one, so that I can I can live with that one.
1: Well, it's sort of like the the obvious thing that happens when things just start rolling. Um and when we we can actually make a plan to change things, it's sort of like um that story we tell, oh, I'm pessimistic. That's just how I am. I'm a pessimist, <laughs> you know, blah, 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 right? And so that ball's just going to keep on rolling.
2: That's true. Um, yeah.
1: And it's going to just create what it creates until I make a plan to change it and say, you know, I'm tired of being shy and I want to be the gregarious one. I'm mm-hmm. tired of being a pessimist. I think I'm going to start bringing some more positivity in my life and, and move towards optimism. And at that point, all that karma that's, you know, <laughs> if you want to call it that, um, that's snowballing, uh, it it often shifts and changes. Um, so, okay, we won't get off on a tangent there, but we've got karma and non-resistance. Yep. I think we've covered four. That's
0: four, right? The fifth one is the law of forgiveness. And it says, the law of forgiveness or grace is a higher law. Quote, Christianity is founded upon the law of forgiveness. Christ has redeemed himself from the curse of the karmic law, and the Christ within each man is his redeemer and salvation from all inharmonious conditions.
1: Oh, okay, so now she's really tapping into the...
0: The Christian thing, uh, yeah, that's really pretty pretty heavy.
1: Now, what I think is interesting is that she and Neville both do this, Yeah. and when they talk about forgiveness, and this is interesting, I think, Um, they talk about the definition of sin... As what we we know that the actual definition is just missing the mark, um, and so I mean in the original language missing just is missing the mark if you picture shooting a bow and arrow at a target and you miss it, uh, you miss it and so forgiveness, I think it's Neville that says um, the forgiveness of sin is just doing it over and making the mark." It's just fixing it. It's just doing, doing, getting the arrow and shooting it at the target, right? And so it, it takes a lot of that kind of really heavy, judgy kind of
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right definition out of that. It's like the law of forgiveness is just setting it straight. It's just like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be. I'm going to forgive this pessimist part of me, and I'm going to be an optimist. I'm just going to move towards that direction. I want to hit this optimism mark.
0: I think it also. I think it also includes the idea that if you miss the mark, you know, be easy on yourself, you know, forgive yourself. It's not that big of a deal. Let go. Okay, so you missed the mark. Big deal.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and it's not. You know, this is what's interesting. She says even even using you said redeemed us from the curse of the karmic law, and so that's that that's what I'm talking about. Stuff. It's like inharmonious conditions. It's like these things that got created because my mind was dwelling on this. You know. Thing I didn't want to happen. I was dwelling on these situations that might come to pass, and whoo, it's like that's kind of. I think you could wrap that up in that curse of the karmic law kind of statement, and say, no, we're gonna we're gonna redeem ourselves out of that. We're gonna we're gonna aim at a different target here, and we're just gonna adjust this, and that's the forgiveness part. Um, We've made it into something really heavy, but I don't think it has to be.
0: I, I don't think – I, I think it's actually making a mountain out of a molehill myself. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so. All right. And so – Okay, so let's uh, let's see. We've got
0: two more left. We've got the law of use, and she explains – Oh, I love when
1: she talks about this.
0: Oh, okay. Well, maybe you should talk about the law of use.
1: Well, what does it say?
0: It says, many people <laughs> are in ignorance of the fact that gifts and things are investments and that hoarding and saving invariably lead to loss.
1: She, she tells a story one time. Of a woman that collected um, jewelry, necklaces, and and I think she ends up like losing them somehow. But what the point she makes is that she never enjoyed them and she never wore them. She just kept them away in a box. She just collected them and and didn't you know use them and enjoy them. And uh-huh. you know you talk. Did you use the word hoarding in there somewhere? I think? Yeah, it
0: says in that hoarding and saving invariably lead to loss.
1: Yeah, and so it's the idea that yes, it's fine for us to have an abundance um and we also need to use it and be willing to let go of it and enjoy it and share it and not hoard it in the sense of you know not even enjoying it for ourselves. Um and I think it's really important. I think that law of use is really important to to pay attention to. And um, we need to be using what we're given and enjoying it and being willing to share it and not holding so tightly to everything.
0: Okay. And then the final one is the law of love. And, uh, she quotes Jesus saying every, uh, well, actually this isn't a perfect quote, but it says every man on this planet is taking his initiation in love. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. So,
1: Oh, well that's the perfect one to end the show on. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, because actually, I mean, that the law of love kind of covers everything,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Right? So it does.
1: If if we make every decision that we have on love and self love included,
2: yes. Um,
1: then I think that all of these other laws will will serve us well because that's the main one there. That's the important one.
0: All right. Well, there's Florence Scoville and I'm glad that uh, you brought her to our attention. <laughs> So this has been well worthwhile, and uh, we just barely used up the time perfectly. So not even much time left to say subscribe and share, except we will say subscribe and share. And, Cindy, someone who's (laughs) looking for some personal attention, how do they get a hold of you again?
1: Oh, they can find me online at C i n d i e c h a v e z C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. Come find me. Say hello.
0: There we are. Okay. Cindy, it's been great. Let's do it again next week.
1: Let's do it next week.
0: All right. Sounds good to me. We'll see you all later as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye everyone!